This morning, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. We'll be reading there in a moment. So first, we're going to start with a joke. Every good sermon starts with a joke. I should start my sermons with more jokes. No, I'm just kidding. A pastor had dinner at the home of a couple in his church. And after he left, the wife said to her husband, I think he stole our spoon. This bothered her for quite a while. It was a year later the couple had the pastor for dinner again. And unable to resist, the wife just had to ask, Did you steal our spoon last year? To which the pastor replied, No, I placed it inside your Bible. So if you guys invite me over for dinner and your spoon goes missing, I suggest you pick up that Bible. Now, who likes statistics? Am I the only one? Uh, at least one other person, two people. Okay, good. Well, guess what? You're all going to hear some statistics this morning. So this is some research done by Lifeway, uh, which is a Christian organization, Lifeway Research, back in 2017. And this research concludes that Americans, in general, have a positive view of the Bible. And many say that Christian scriptures are filled with moral lessons for today. However, more than half of Americans have read little or none of the Bible at all. Almost 9 out of 10 households, 87%, own a Bible according to the American Bible Society. And the average household has three. Think about that. 9 out of 10 Americans have a Bible in their home, and the average household has three. That's a lot of Bibles. However... Uh, More than half of Americans uh, have read little or none of their Bible. And Bible reading to this day remains spotty. Uh, Half of Americans, which is 53%, about half, have read relatively none, whereas 10% have read none of it at all, and 13% have read what they describe as a few sentences. 30% say they have read several passages or stories, while 53% of Americans never or seldomly read the Bible, and 52% of Americans believe it at least as a source for good morals. 11% of people had supposedly read the entire Bible, but 36% of respondents believe the Bible to be true, while 35% of respondents call the Bible life-changing. If 53% of Americans have never or seldomly read the Bible, while 52% believe it is a good source uh, for good morals, and even 35% of people believe the Bible to be life-changing, then why have only 11% of these people read the entire Bible? And only 9% saying they have read it more than once. Well, if you're wondering that, Lifeway asks this question as well. 27% of people gave what I believe is the most honest answer, which is, I don't prioritize it. 15% said, I don't have time, which is actually the same answer as the first answer. Just worded slightly differently, 13% Say, I've read enough of it already. (laughs) Yeah, okay. 
9% said, I don't see how it relates to me, which translates to they haven't really actually read it because the Word of God relates to all of us. If we read it, we'll find that to be true. 7% say, I am intimidated by the size of it. I've been in that boat before. Among other answers, but these were the top answers. Now imagine with me if the words of this research changed the, the words reading the Bible to eating food. Okay, Many of us love to eat. America, with these same statistics, would be full of skin and bones, malnourished and anorexic people. Even some who profess the value of food for us, but yet refuse to make time to eat it. The Bible, the Word of God, is food for our soul and for our spirit, and it leads to eternal life. Yet so many of us have anorexic souls and are desperate for some soul food. Let's look at our text this evening, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. But Jesus answered, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This morning I want to preach a sermon I've entitled, Our Anorexic Souls. Let's pray. Father God, help us this morning. God, let your spirit, Lord, fill this place. God, minister to each and every one of us. God, by the power of your spirit. God, not by my words. God, not by numbers or statistics. God, but by the power of your spirit. God, uh, speak to each and every one of us this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. So first, I want to speak about the issue of our anorexic souls. The reality is, whether we've realized it or acknowledged it, is that our soul longs for God. Our soul longs for the Word of God. Just how our stomach growls when it's hungry and our mouth gets parched when we are thirsty, our soul also longs for the Word of God. But the major difference is that there are spiritual battles involved in feeding our soul. You see, the adversary of our soul, he doesn't care if our bellies are full. He doesn't care if, our, if we get enough water. His concern is where our souls go. Our adversary desires to drag us down to hell where he knows he's going to go to, and he understands, perhaps better than we do, the necessity of the Word of God to help us in our lives. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That's you. That's me. He doesn't play nice. He doesn't play, he, he plays dirty. He'll come after you. He'll come after your kids. He'll come after your spouse in any way he can. His goal is to consume us. And he does this primarily by keeping us away from church, from fellowship of believers, from prayer time, and most importantly, from the place where you get all, learn about all these other things, which is the Word of God. Think about this. You can have zero, zero understanding of Christian culture, and then you can read the Bible and you can find the way to heaven and the source of help for your soul through the Word of God. 
it would be difficult to convince someone that the way to solve their hunger was through any solution other than food. However, th there are some people that are crazy enough to believe this. I, I don't know what show it was. I certainly wasn't watching it. I saw about 25 seconds of it. It was, it was dumb. But there was this lady in this show, and she held this belief that if she could, I guess, believe strong enough or get one with nature enough or whatever, she could get enough nutrition that she needed from sunlight. And she said, until then, until I can get spiritual enough or one enough with nature, I eat only potatoes. And she would go out in the sun every day and try to solve her hunger issues with sunlight. This sounds foolish, right? But yet, this is exactly what happens to us as we have these issues, these problems in our lives with our soul, and we get convinced that there's other solutions to our issues outside of the Word of God, outside of the will of God, that we go to these places and we do these things that are supposed to make us feel better, but yet we find ourselves still wanting and longing for more. You see, just how our stomach growls when it's hungry, our soul cries out for God. We were created to walk our lives in communion with God, to live with God, and to spend eternity with God. That's exactly what he did in Genesis chapter 1. He created Adam and Eve, and he created them with the purpose of dwelling with him in the Garden of Eden. And who messed it up? We did. And the exact purpose of our creation was severed. And when we face life without God, we struggle. Period. There is no exceptions. And our soul desires Him in different ways, in various ways. But He is the answer to our problems. There's a lot of people in the world, they put on a face, they put on an act, they act happy, they act like they got it all put together, but they can't sleep at night. Think about, I, I referenced this insane thought all the time. Robin Williams, man, the guy made millions of people laugh, a, co a comedic genius. He made so many people experience happiness, if at least for a moment, but the guy couldn't find it himself. And he hangs himself. Because something in his soul was crying out for God, but he filled it with, I don't know, paychecks or making other people laugh or being popular or famous or whatever it is that the world convinced him would make him happy and it finally just couldn't do it and he had to give up. When our soul is malnourished, we battle with things on our own that we were not meant to battle on our own. Fear, anger, depression, anxiety, lust, gluttony, selfishness, greed, busyness, envy, doubt, and living continually dissatisfied with our lives. We were never made to live with these things. We were made to live with God. But apart from God, these are the things that we experience, and we were never designed to carry them. When we live our lives according to the word of God, God helps us and shows us how to counteract these things. And it's primarily by him doing a lot of the heavy lifting. 
As we struggle with these things, the enemy will convince us to encounter our issues with solutions of mankind. The most popular one today is by crutching ourselves, crutching our fear. You just got to go to anger management classes. You need some medication. Man, I'll tell you what, you can't get out of a doctor's visit without a new prescription these days. And let's be real, the world doesn't really care about your lustful or gluttonous or selfish desires. They say, hey, you do you. More of it will do you better. You see, we pursue these things and we continually, day after day, live dissatisfied with our lives. And the solution is to what? Pursue more. You just need more of the medication. You just need more of the counseling. You just need more of the women and the men in your bed. You just need more of the drugs. You just need more, more, more until eventually you realize it's all been a lie and you give up. Just go with your heart, they say. Well, the Word of God says that's the wrong direction. Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And Jesus says in Mark 7, 21 through 23, says, For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these things come from within, and they defile a person. Go with your heart. How has that worked out for so many people in this world today? You see, the reality is we can't trust the world to guide us. The Bible calls Satan the prince of the earth. He's the one who's behind the world's guidance. What are we just talking about? He wants to devour your soul. We cannot trust the world to guide us. We cannot trust ourselves to guide us. Even if we don't trust the world, we can't even trust ourselves without God's help. We need God's guidance in life. We need his direction. We need his word. And, you know, many Christians believe this. I'm not, if you're here this morning and you're saved, I'm not telling you something that you don't already believe. We need God's help, right? And we know that the Bible can help us, but... We still don't need, I'm sorry, we know the Bible can help us, but we still don't see the need. We still don't make time. And the reason is, I can't find time. I, I have this conversation with, with Zach a lot lately. It's like the world today is crazy, man. There's so much going on. There's so much we have to do. We got, we got to go to work. We got to go to the grocery store. We got to do that. It seems like all of this stuff takes so much time. It takes me a half an hour just to get to work. And then I spend eight hours there plus a half hour lunch and then a half hour back home. And that's like half of your, over half of your awake time in a day. It's like, it's crazy, right? And that's just simply the provision for the family. And then you got honeydew list and you got things that need done. The world is crazy today. Just simply to survive in today's world requires a lot of time. Take me back to simpler times, man. Back when you could just live off the land. That's, I feel like I was made for those days. The struggle of time. We all have it. 
Every single one of us, we're all busy. Today it's getting crazy and it's only getting crazier. There are plenty of things going on. We go to work, we go to school, we got family, we got hobbies. We even have serving in church and ministry and all of these things that we do that are important. And we got a lot going on. Yet no matter how busy we get, we all still find time to eat at least one meal in a day. And we might even tell Jesus, oh, I didn't get in the word, I didn't get into prayer today because I'm so busy fulfilling the deeds that you've asked me to do, right? I'm, I'm too busy serving in the ministries that you've put in my life. And, and this is a, a prime excuse for one, men who provide for their families. God, I've been working hard. I don't got time for that. And women who raising their families. I got all these kids running around. I don't got time for that. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's not the focus Luke 10, verses 38 through 42, a very popular story in Scripture, says, Now as they went their way, Jesus entered the village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Think about this. Verse 40 says, Martha was distracted with much serving. She's doing things in her mind that are important that need to be done, that if I don't do it, nobody will, right? And we all have these things in our life that can distract us in this way. What applies to you? Insert your name here. Was distracted with much hobbies, family, working, schooling, social media, movies, serving. Many of us here serve in this very church right here. But Jesus says, one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Think about this. There is a one thing that no man can take from us. That is our relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The world can take your job. The world can take your family. The world can take, Lord forbid, your hobbies. The Lord can, the, the Lord, well, the Lord can too. The world can take social media. You're going to go Facebook jail or something. Well, what am I going to do? The world needs to hear my voice. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Everything we have in this world can be taken from us. And in a moment, don't believe me, read the book of Job. Everything in this world can be gone just like that, in the blink of an eye. But no one can take our soul from us. No one can take our spirit. We can only give it. And we either give it to God or we give it to the world. Our flesh will die, but our souls live forever. And the question is, are we caring for our souls? 
Matthew 20, uh, 10, 28, Jesus says, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And in Matthew 16, 26, he says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? See, Jesus, he's extremely clear. You read the word of God and he does not put any gray areas. We should be less concerned with our circumstances surrounding our flesh and far more concerned with the circumstances surrounding our souls. We need to face the reality of the necessity of Scripture in our lives and then we need to do something about it. See, how many times you guys say, oh, I, got, I need to get this done. I need to get this done. I need to do this thing. And then it comes up to the time to do it. And you're like, oh, I didn't do it. Usually in school, right? The paper's due today. Oh, can I copy yours? Listen, you ain't going to be able to cheat off anybody else's test at the gates of heaven. We need to see the need for our own souls, and then we need to do something. We need to face the reality of the necessity. When we have learned the value of scriptures and prayer and a daily, not just Sundays and sometimes Wednesdays, a daily relationship with God, we will be willing to make daily sacrifices for the food for our soul. Zach, did uh, mention have that video queued up? Let's watch this quick video here, a couple minutes long. China from time to time and and uh, uh, we train leaders and this time we brought up 22 leaders from the Hunan province and they rode 13 hours on a train to get to a hotel that they came up two by two in these elevators as so as to not draw any attention and then they got to a hotel room a little apartment uh, room it's only about 700 square feet in the little living room no air conditioning hardwood floor 22 sat there I came in and when you teach in China you start at 8 in the morning and you don't get done till 5 at night you teach the whole day they were sitting there all 22 of them and I looked around and I said now if we get caught what will happen to me they said oh you'll get deported in 24 hours and we'll go to prison for three years I said you're kidding how many of you have been in prison for your faith out of 22 18 raised their hands no way. I looked at him and I said, you, you 22 people, how many people do you oversee? Because they were all of these small group leaders, underground church leaders in the Hunan province. I said, how many, if you counted up all the people under your jurisdiction, how many would it be? And they counted them up and they said, little over 20 million. I said, what? See, we forget there's 1.3 billion people in China. This is crazy. Well, I had 15 Bibles and I passed them out. Obviously, seven didn't get them. And I said, let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1 and we're going to read it. And just then, one lady handed hers to somebody next to her. And I thought, hmm, interesting. 
Well, we turned there anyway, and as we started reading it, I understood why she gave it away. She had memorized the whole thing. She just recited the whole chapter. When it was done, I went over to her at a break, and I said, you, you, you recited the whole chapter. She says, oh, yes, I've memorized many chapters. I said, where did you memorize so many chapters? She said, in prison. She said, you have much time in prison. So I said, but don't they confiscate the Bible? And she said, yes. So people bring in scriptures written on pieces of paper and they bring it in. So I said, but then if they find that piece of paper on you, won't they confiscate that? She said, oh yes, that's why you memorize it as fast as you can. Because <laughs> even though they can take the paper away, they can't take what's hidden in your heart. I thought, wow. Well, after three days, you fall in love with these people. And when it was done, I said, how can I pray for you? I'm going to go back to America. You guys have been just so wonderful. How can I pray for you? They said, you know, Wayne, you guys can gather like this whenever you want to in America. We can't. Could you pray that one day we'll be just like you? And I looked at him and I said, I will not do that. Big, incredulous eyes looked at me and they said, why? <laughs> I said, because you guys rode a train for 13 hours to get here. In my country, if you've got to drive more than an hour, people don't come. You sat on a wooden floor for three days. In my country, if people have to sit more than 40 minutes, they leave. You sat not only here for three days on a hard wooden floor, but you did it without air conditioning. In my country, if it's not padded pews and air conditioning, people don't often come back. In my country, we have an average of two Bibles per family. We don't read any of them. You hardly have any Bibles and you memorize them from pieces of paper. I will not pray that we become like, uh, you become like us, but I will pray that we become just like you. Oh, that video gives me chills every time. Think about that. These people, they knew and understood the value of scriptures and were willing to go through great effort and risk to get what they knew their soul so desperately needed. 13 hours on a train, three days in a row of eight hours sitting on a hardwood floor to get what they knew their soul so desperately need, they discovered that despite the risk and sacrifice, that it was the word of God that brought them peace, that no amount of complacency could have given them in their country. Here's a couple more statistics. According to the organization Pew Research, 84% of Christians who read their Bible regularly say they feel spiritual peace and well-being, while only 11% of people who say they read their Bible regularly just, uh, sorry, only 11% of people who say they read their Bible just several times a year say they feel spiritual peace and well-being. That is a grave difference. Reading the Bible gives us peace like nothing else in the world. 
We must read it, believe it, and apply it. I'll tell you, there's been times where I've I've read the Bible and it was like, you know, through numbers. And if you've never read numbers, just know it's not exactly exhilarating. And honestly, on an intellectual level, I was like, man, that was, if I'm being honest, felt kind of like a waste of 20, 30 minutes. But my soul said otherwise. My soul was feasting on the Word of God, the presence of, even if intellectually I didn't feel like I got anything from it, my soul felt better. I had peace about me. I can't even begin to explain how that makes sense, because it doesn't. But that's what the Word of God is. It's more than just words on a piece of paper. It is supernatural power of God. James chapter 1, verse 22 tells us to be doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. Faith in Christ is doing as His Word says, not only hearing it. If we read the Word of God as if it's like some type of homeschool assignment, it's not going to take us very far. But when we apply the Word of God to our lives, the, the outcome is tremendous. Matthew seven twenty four, Jesus says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto our path. The Bible directs us in our life. The, the severity of that verse is lost in modern times. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This, this psalm was written long before electricity. And back in the day, they would tie lamps to their feet so that they could see where they were placing their feet and they would hold a, a light or a torch so they could see what was around them. And they would do this to travel at nighttime because if they didn't, there's two things that could happen. They could step in a hole and get hurt because they didn't have beautifully placed sidewalks like we do. And predators could come without them seeing them. Robbers, bandits. This is a different time. This is a different day and age. We walk through these sidewalks with no type of light around us because we got street lights. If the lights go out in here at, in our evening services, then it'll be dark and we'll maybe understand a little bit. But even then, we'll pull out our phones and turn on the flashlights and look around like that. Your word is a lamp into my feet. I can see where I'm walking and it's a light into my path. I know where I should be going. Why? Because I have the word. Psalm 119 verse 30 says, The unfolding of your word gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple, to the simple, that's a nice way of saying not so smart, or maybe even dumb. Think about this. It gives understanding to the simple. Many people live a life feeling inadequate mentally. I'm not talking about uh, like mental disorders, although God helps with those things too. I'm talking about like, man, I always struggled, struggled in school. I always had difficulty in this. And the Bible says that when we dig into the word, it imparts understanding to the simple. What does that mean? That God can unveil his truth in his word supernaturally to even people who we might consider to be not so smart, to put it nicely. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17 says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with these sacred writings, 
which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. Verse 15, the Scriptures direct us into salvation. What I said earlier, you can have no understanding of Christian culture or lifestyle at all. You can pick up the Word of God, you can read it, and you can find salvation through the knowledge that's in there. And on top of that, it equips us and prepares us for the work of God. The value of the Word of God is exactly why Job said he'd rather pass on dinner than miss out on the words of God. Like, if I only have so much time left in this day, I'm going to skip dinner. I'm going to read the Word instead. We don't ever really actually have to make that choice. Job 23, 12, though, he says, I have not departed from the commandments of God's lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily food. We have in our hands and many of us in our pockets on an app with hundreds of translations, the literal words of God. But we neglect it. The answers to our depression, the answers to our anxiety, the answers for our marriage, the answers for raising our children, the answers for our anger, the answers for our money struggles, the answer for our lust, the answer for our greed, the answer for our idolatry, the answer for, this one's ironic, managing our time. I don't got time. Well, the answer's in here. Spend more time in this. You know, there's something interesting about God. The more you give him, the more you get back. And that goes with time. You think about this. This is something we love to talk about in the tithes and offerings. You give your 10% to God, and he'll make more out of the 90%. Guess what? You give even a chapter a day to God, and he'll make the rest of your time more fruitful. This is a reality. This isn't theory. This isn't hypothesis. This isn't just maybe it'll work. No, this is how God works. Are you tithing your time to God even? The answers to all of these things and so much more are found in the living, breathing word of God. So many people, oh, that's an old, outdated book. It's been corrupted by man. It's been this. It's been that. Okay, tell that to the people whose lives it has changed and transformed. Marriages, it's reestablished. Addictions, it's, it's abolished. All of these things that the Word of God has done for people, that the Spirit of God through His Word has done for people. You can't tell us it's outdated because it's still doing work today. All of these things can be found in the Word of God and applying it to your life. By applying the Word of... Listen, applying to the Word of God requires knowing what is in it. The greatest lie the devil has convinced so many people of is you don't have time to read the Bible. You just don't have time to pray. Tomorrow, ready for some more statistics? There are 24 hours in a day. 
Many of us know that one. The average reader can read the entire Bible in one year by reading the Bible for just 12 minutes a day. The average reader. That is 0.9% of an entire day. That's less than 1% of a day. Can we give less than 1% even to reading the, the Word of God? Now, even if you're half as fast as the average reader, that's me. Actually, I think I'm as fast as the average reader, if not faster, but the problem is, is much of it goes in my eyes and out my ears. I have to go back and read it again. Wait, what? I, just, I was reading for 25 minutes and realized I didn't read any of it, actually. So if you're half as fast as the average reader, that's still only 24 minutes, less than half an hour, 1.8% of your day. And listen, even if it takes an entire hour, that's 4.2% of your day. Listen to me, the devil is a liar, and you have time to read your Bible. In 2022, more statistics, the average person spends 147 minutes a day on social media. Wow. Besides, uh, sorry, based off of that information that I just shared about reading the Bible, that much time in one day, you could read the entire Bible in one month. That would be 12 times a year. The average person watches TV for 209 minutes a day and 103 minutes per day watching digital content. So in other words, watching TV on your phone instead of the TV. So those two together, which is three hour, 312 minutes, which is five hours and 12 minutes, that much time a day we could complete the Bible in just two weeks. The devil is a liar, and you have time to read your Bible. And as I said, perhaps you're not the average person. Maybe reading is not your forte. Compared to these statistics, it may take you longer, may even take you faster. Some people read super fast. I would, lose, I would cut off my left pinky for that superpower. But we can, without a doubt, admit that we could make some time to read the powerful, life-changing, without-flaw Word of God that can help us in our daily lives live a better life. Twelve minutes a day to improve the remaining 1,428 minutes? Seems like an easy call. I guarantee if you read the Word of God daily and apply it to your lives, you will experience life like never before. I don't say that flippantly. I don't just say, oh, guarantee. You know, I'm not a used car salesman. I'm telling you. Mess around and find out. Do it. I dare you. Read the Bible every single day and tell me it doesn't change your life. Even people who read it trying to prove it wrong end up getting saved. Look at C.S. Lewis. Look at Josh McDowell. Look at all of these guys who they literally picked up the Bible to prove God wrong and they become some of the greatest theologians in recent history. Those are just two of them. There's many more. Don't sell yourself short. Don't think to yourself, I can't do this. God will help you. Why? Because he wants you to be reading. This is like important. 
My personal testimony, as I said a little bit ago, alluded to it, is I can read for like 20 minutes and realize that I was thinking about other things while I was reading. And I, some of y'all, it doesn't make no sense to you, but trust me, it's real. It's called ADHD. <laughs> I'm standing here before you. I've been medically diagnosed as severe ADHD. And I can read, I could read front to back a whole book and have no clue what was in it if I didn't catch myself and go back and read it. I'm not joking. But the Word of God is different. It's supernatural. The first time I ever read through the entire Bible, I retained an insane amount of what I read. I could not even believe what I remembered, what God helped me. Like, I'm speechless when I think about it. Like the entire, oh yeah, I remember this passage. I think it was in Second Chronicles. And it's like, whoa, it actually was. <laughs> and I remember what it said. And not only that, like what, it opens your eyes. God will open your soul, the eyes of your soul, if you will. I don't want to get too weird about that. To things that you just don't, you would, you're like, wow, I can't believe I just understood that. Like I'm an idiot. <laughs> To think that I'm standing here before you and I do what I do with what the world tells me I can't do is nothing short of supernatural. Because when you read the Bible as more than just words on a page, listen, we, anybody could pick it up and just read it like it's some type of school assignment. <laughs> I've done that in school. But when you read the Word of God expecting it to be just that, something supernatural happens. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Yes, the heart, the thing we talked about earlier that's deceitfully wicked. The word of God is living and active. This isn't some old history book. These are the solutions we need for today. And when we pray and ask God to help us understand and learn from this book is when the reality of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 comes to life for us, as does the entire book. That it can be alive in our lives and show us things that we never understood before and most importantly, give us new life. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the words of Christ. It is faith in Jesus Christ that saves us. But what do we have faith in if we do not even know his words? It's the blood of Jesus Christ that saves us. We should desire to know who he is. And one of the greatest sources to know who Christ is, who God is, is through his very word that he has given to us to know him better. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes this morning. If you're here today, you're not.